Welcome, North Star Community Podcast listeners. I am Scott McBean, the Associate Pastor at North Star Community. And I am Teresa McBean, Scott's co-pastor. <laughs> I always say I'm the Associate Pastor and she's a Senior Pastor. She says co-pastors in an act of humility. I don't know. I think it's just more true. Either way, we work together. Yeah. And we run this podcast together. Yep. Run is probably uh, an exaggeration of what. Yeah, this and the is. fact that we do it together is also an exaggeration. I just come in here and sit in front of the mic whenever you tell me to. Mm-hmm. So you do it. I just show up and provide all the lively color commentary, <laughs> like Al Michaels. <laughs> there you go. Or I guess he's a. Just so you don't call matter. me Har- Howard Cosell. Mm. Well, we have a message recap, as usual. That's what we are here to do. Indeed we are. This is, um, so if you don't attend our services and are able to, you, uh, I don't necessarily want to say you should because it's your life and you can do whatever you want with your life. Well, and coming from Brazil might be a little trick. Well, that's why, well, I said in my mind, I don't know if I said it out loud, if you're able, um to come to the services it would be i think i hope i pray it's useful to the people who are here part of the reason that i'm saying this in this particular week is that if you've never been here before our messages are never messages that are just delivered it's never just one person up at the front of the room giving a lecture or putting on a talk or just straight preaching right right it's a dialogue it's a conversation we usually open with a question to get the crowd engaged and involved and we talk and we go back and forth and sometimes it's a little chaotic uh but even then it's almost always uh i think a little bit more beautiful than it otherwise would be agreed even in its uh even even when it can get out of control or out of hand um and this was one, which is not so different from the one that we recapped uh, last week, but this is one that um, where there was a particularly uh, particularly lively crowd, a lot of interaction, a lot of discussion, and there's no root way to recap what happened in either of the services, really. And so, you know, there's just nothing that beats uh, being in a place, in person with people, um, discussing some of the weightier issues of our faith and our lives. And um, I think uh, this was very raw, very personal, very honest um, sharing time that happened for uh, many of the people who spoke up. And um, that's always uh, an amazing thing to see in person. So um, I think a lot of what was said and a lot of, uh, you know, what happened in uh, this weekend's message was there was a lot of just direct responses to things people were saying in the moment. Right. That's obviously going to be really tough for us to recap and unpack. And there's probably people who shared who wouldn't want us yeah. recapping and unpacking their baggage and their stuff on the Internet. So how are we going to do this today? Well, the beauty of a podcast is that I get to say what I really wanted to communicate, right? Absolutely. Um, 
with, because what happens to me a lot of times is in all the conversation, I believe actually that the conversation is more interesting and rich than what I planned. But that doesn't mean that I didn't think that what I planned had value. So I want to talk about what the part of what I wanted to talk about that I think we totally got to, um, but was the value of the actual content that I prepared. Okay. So um, I don't know if this is interesting to other people or not, but the way I I, I do a couple of things that lead to me creating weekend messages. One thing I do is I study scripture, um, and um, I do that on a daily basis. I've done that for a long time, and I just love doing that. And the second thing I do is study people, Uh, me, myself, and others. I thought you were going to say me, myself, and I. (laughs) I was like, if that's all that counts for studying people. No, 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 no. I mean, although some people don't even study me, myself, and I. So yeah, me, myself, and others. That's what I study, and I don't know why I do this, but um, my brain has always worked this way. I'm always comparing me, myself, and others to what I'm learning in the scriptures, and for me, I see patterns. Mm-hmm. And that's where my messages come from, is the patterns that I'm seeing, either in myself or other people. And in particular, this message, real do I say this every time? This message was really important to me. Um, you probably I I, do. I think I say this, like, this is the best message I've ever wanted to present, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but um, People are going to catch on eventually. I don't know. It's been 20 years. I know. <laughs> um, you know what? Sporadic attendance really helps with that because then if people don't attend real regularly, then they only hear that when they come and they just think they've hit hit a weekend where I'm really passionate. So that you works. hear that? You just got permission to be sporadic attenders. There you go. So one of the things that I have been observing in me, myself, and others is a real desire to follow God. You know, people don't really come talk to me who aren't very interested in following God. Sure. I mean, that's the subset of the population that we get. Yeah. Um, Because we are um, a community that declares itself as being a community that is of faith, and very interested in recovery. Yeah. So um, this— And the uniqueness about those two spaces is people are totally um, ill-equipped slash unprepared to— they have no way of sort of conceptualizing what it looks like to follow God when things are not going as they should. Right. When life right. is when life is off the rails, which is kind of what we talk about all the time. Right. You know, when you're dealt a, a bad hand um, and, you know, everything that comes along with that. Right. So we've always um, wanted to be a bridge to recovery 
which is people who actually realize that life is hard and are having to really wrestle with their part in it mm-hmm. and um, how faith intersects with that. Yep. And um, in thinking about that, I have really wrestled with what I have been taught about belief. Okay. And what, I don't know if it was intended that I be taught this or if I heard it, but we certainly got some strong agreement that this is what others also heard, is that belief determines what you think, do, feel, and say. And so every time in my own life that I've had a collapse or a crash and burn, I've always gone back and spent time thinking about what's off kilter with my belief system. And there's nothing wrong with that. I, I, that that's valid. I mean, you know, clearly I'm a, a big proponent of seeking to understand who God is, Um from both sides of the coin that I live in. In recovery, the steps talk about the God of your understanding. So understanding God is important. And also the scriptures teach us who God is and how we are to see. That's really important. Mm -hmm. So I'm adding on to that presumption. You're not knocking the notion of belief. Not at all. And and you're not saying it's not important to have... um, You're not... You're not downplaying the importance of even having certain sets of beliefs. Right. 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 But what I'm observing is the complete disconnect that happens. I would use the word almost forgetfulness of what we profess to believe and how we live our lives. And... So when you have somebody show up who's cheating on their spouse, I'm always like, you don't believe in cheating in your, on your spouse. You fundamentally don't believe in what you're doing, right, as a committed Christian. Right. Um, when you are neglecting your children by particular habits— As a Christian, you don't believe in this. You believe that you are supposed to be a decent parent. When you steal from people as a Christian, you don't believe in this when you tell me that you are a believer. You don't believe in stealing, right? Right. Um, You don't believe in vengeance, and yet you want to kill this person. So So the... The question then is, how is it that these things happen in the lives of people? Is this where you're going or are you going somewhere else? Yeah, how does this happen? You have these set of beliefs. You have these core values, these core principles. You have, you know, as complicated as being a Christian is, there are also some pretty simple fallbacks. Love God, love one another, love enemy, right? uh, et cetera, et cetera. Don't, um, you know, treat people fairly. I always think of John the Baptist's words in Luke 3, treat people fairly, share, right, right. Uh, right. et cetera, et cetera. There's uh, no more 
differentiation between slave and free. Yeah, raising re- raising re- children as unto the Lord. To your point about uh, right. neglect um, and um, and whatnot. So we, I think, what you're saying is that so often we find ourselves living out of accordance with our core beliefs. All of us. Right. Yeah, all of us. Me, myself, and others. And I really would like to unpack that and make some sense of it. Yeah. Because there are people who have who have positions in particular where they spend their whole life, me, myself, being one of these people. Um, now, are you being funny with that, or is there something... Is there something going on with the me, myself thing? Oh, I'm just being silly. Okay, okay. I didn't know if there was some um, significance to that. There's no that, significance uh, to it. I didn't know if you were me, trying Me, myself, to... <laughs> and others. That's just being silly. I didn't know if you were trying to say, like, consider yourself twice before you consider others when you're talking about things like this. Or... Well, in all seriousness, I think I say me, myself, and others because when I am talking about what I'm going to be talking about in this podcast... I'm always so afraid that people hear me saying you rather than us. Right. So when I say me, myself, and others, it is a little bit, in all seriousness, the two two versus one thing. Yeah, you're saying this is um, so I, important for us to own. Yeah, I hate to have talks like I'm having in this podcast because it's a bit of a tough talk, uh, I think, if we really think about it. Um, and I don't want anybody to think that I am exempting myself from the conversation or speaking from on high. Okay, so now let's just get down and dirty with it. So when I talk to somebody, <laughs> all right, now I'm going to get real. Stop laughing. Okay. All right. That was just a unfortunate uh, choice of phrase. Oh, yeah. Carry on. You kids have such a dirty mind. I don't know why y'all keep laughing at me when I'm just saying literal Yeah, truth. just innocent old you. Okay. <laughs> So here's the thing. People don't get it. Don't get what? I don't get it. When we are not living in accordance with our beliefs. Oh, how do we? It's a blank stare. How do we? uh, You mean people are confused at their own, you know, psychologists call it cognitive dissonance, the difference between. No, look, I'm telling you the truth. They're not confused. They simply cannot see it. When oh, I have a guy comes in my office who has been stealing from people and tells me how much he loves the Lord, mm-hmm. and then I say, you've been spending the last 20 years of your life stealing from people, and he gives me a blank stare, something's wrong. That's the same kind of mechanism that like okay, so we've had this conversation with a number of people. Not to pick on people who've cheated on their spouses. There's lots of those are complicated situations, and and we understand that. And and but one of the things that we've heard that always I think confuses us in the moment is when you're talking to somebody who has cheated and they're confused why their partner is struggling to trust them, right, or forgive them. Well, I I'm you know I said I was sorry, you know. Or I said I'm not doing it anymore. I'm not going to do it anymore, which may or may not be true, let's be honest. Right, but the idea that, that, you know, you're not really owning your part of it and you're sort of expecting the other person to do the the hard work of the, 
you know that 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 would be a sign perhaps that a person has not seen the disconnect in their own life and they're seeing a disconnect in somebody else's life this person's struggling to trust that's not a godly behavior they're not looking at me right. and myself and saying i've been really untrustworthy right. that's not a particularly godly behavior right and what's very commonly said in that situation is well i'm weak like with a little shrug of the shoulders and the hands thrown up, I'm weak and, you know, you guys should kind of feel sorry for me that I'm so weak that I would cheat on my wife, but definitely she's a good Christian and she should forgive me. Mm -hmm. And I find that so interesting as a student of people. Like, on what planet? And, and you know what the thing of it is about that? So I'm, I know I'm getting a little excitable here, but I think this is worth getting excitable about. If this story had only been told to me one time, I'd go, okay, that person is a little out of touch. But this is the standard story. You're seeing it time and again. Of somebody who is a deacon in their church and cheating on their spouse and would say to you, um, hey, um, I am offended at the way the world does not love Jesus enough, all the while they're cheating on their spouse. Mm -hmm. I find this outrageous. And, um, and so now I've had some thoughts about that. Okay. So I think you, a, you have some ideas, in yeah. other words, about how we can gain a sense of understanding about our own our own struggles to execute our way of seeing in our lives. Right. And so that's the problem, right? Yeah. I think that's what you're saying. It's yeah. not a it's not a belief problem. Right. It's an execution problem. I think so. And, and you know, uh, what we also talk a lot around, talk about a lot. Let me start that over. Let's pause. Also, one of the things that you and I harp on a lot is this idea that people of faith have an inspired certain way of seeing. Right. Right? And I think that I've thought that our way of seeing should change what we think and do and say and feel and all that, right? Mm -hmm. But I'm seeing this disconnect. Yeah, so I think, uh, and I really want to draw this out, uh, just I know you probably feel like I'm interrupting you, but I, don't. I think this point is, is uh, sort of one of the more crucial ones. The idea is that I think we've expected our certain way of seeing our beliefs to do more for us than they really do. Yes. And I mean that in like a, like this is something perhaps that we would grieve over. Yes. Like it's a deep sadness to us that having a certain set of beliefs, that, that we believed that having a certain set of beliefs was going to be the vehicle for transformation. I grieve for me, myself, and others. Yes. And what we've seen is that while beliefs are important, uh, in and of themselves, they are not actually creating um, 
people who are able to execute that certain way of seeing consistently and thoroughly and across the board. There's probably many reasons for that. Right. But this is the this is the baseline. We struggle to execute our certain way of seeing and we didn't expect that. We did not expect it. We yep. expected that if you if you and I have see something that should inspire us to see the world in a certain way, it ought to make a difference. I and, never would have thought that I would say something uh, that I would put down my wife in front of my daughter. Right. Like I never would have, I would have, I would have told you, you know, prior to being married, I'm not going to be that kind of husband. I'm not going to be that kind of father. Right. But I did that this morning. Yeah. I did not expect that. Yeah. Now what? Now what? And I think that, uh, I think that it really matters that we begin to wrestle more. And, and of course, this is what I love about the 12 steps, because I think it is in the 12 steps where we are required to wrestle with what we think, with what we do, and what our feelings are teaching us about what we really understand about who God is. And you're not saying that's the... You're just saying that's a tool that we found that's particularly useful in, yes, in doing these things. Yes, and I find it lacking in the majority of Christians' lives. You, you're saying that um, you're saying that the twelve-step process uh, contains things within it that Christians need in order to execute their certain way of seeing, and they are commonly these things that are in the twelve steps are generalizably, if that's even a word, deficits in in the Christian living experience. Yes, because let's just say, hey, we ask the question, which I ask on a fairly regular basis, how does this behavior reflect what you believe about God? Mm-hmm. And somebody will say back to me, if they've said this to me once, they've said it a hundred times, I'm just a sinner saved by grace, just like the rest of the world Teresa, um, we don't have to, you know, um, love my sin to love me, and so my wife should forgive me. There's no condemnation. No condemnation. So we don't have to love my sin, but we should love me, love the sin or hate the sin. And I'm and people people love that when it's come to to themselves. It does, but you know what? I've got I've got a new phrase. Love the sinner, hate your own sin, buddy. Mm-hmm. Love the sinner, hate your own sin, and stop talking to me about how offended you are by the world's sin. It's none of your business. You want to come in and talk to me? Am I getting riled up? Yeah. Okay, well, let me just finish my rile, and then I'll try to calm down. So you need to be thinking of something to say so I can do deep cleansing breath. But you want to come in and talk to me about how the world is going to hell in a handbasket? Tell me about your sin. Just yours. And um, how does it show up in what you think and what you do and how you feel? And tell me the truth about that. And then together... 
I think we've got a shot at some healing. Can I can I push back on this slightly? Sure. It's not going to actually. It's not actually pushback. What it is is um, nuancing. Okay. Nuance away. So you and I got into a Facebook um, conversation with somebody yeah. a few months back uh, about a particular topic, uh, but it was about this idea, right. right? It was a specific manifestation of this idea. Yeah. Of you should be aware of your own stuff. Right. If you're going to prioritize other people's stuff. Right. Now, on the one hand, we're not saying that there are no standards, there are no rules, there's no accountability for people of faith. Right. What we are saying is, it is, how do I even phrase this? Sorry, people, I'm thinking on my feet here. Or actually, I'm, I'm not thinking on my feet, or it would be coming out quicker. <laughs> the idea is that if you live with a deep and profound awareness of who you are and what your stuff is and what you need to work on, then the casting of stones at, at others is something you don't have the time, the energy, the care, or the concern to do, plus you have the empathy to not want to. Right. That's, that, that is exactly right. And it's not that there are no yep. standards, and yep. it's not that we only self-police, right? Like, right. I think that Scripture is also clear about that, that we can hold other people accountable. But I think about that passage in Matthew about forgiveness, and you approach the person, and then the person has an opportunity to think and respond and then own their stuff, right? Like, sometimes people need to be made aware. Right. And you're patient, and there's a whole process, and there's a lot of stuff that goes into this. This is not just... Focus on you. Don't ever think about anybody else. It's focus on yourself in such a way as to be filled with... If you focus on yourself in this way, then I think a tangential result is empathy for right. others and their struggles and not judgment for others and their struggles. Right. And I think... So in the Facebook example... Ultimately, this is about your disposition right. towards other people who are struggling, right? Right. So in the Facebook example, which, by the way, me, myself, should never get into Facebook conversations, but that's a whole another confessional issue. But in the Facebook example, the conversation was around people judging a sin that was not one they had personal experience with. So here is my, but, but realizing probably, hypothetically speaking, that all of us have particular sin patterns that we could be upset about and talk about on Facebook that are our sin patterns. Yeah, I mean, one of the challenges is we did not think that the topic at hand there was even a sin in the first place. Right. So there's an issue of there's always so there's several there's several ways in which these things play out. And sometimes somebody's judging another person's way of life as sinful when it may or may not be. Um, and then there's we just have different types of sins from each other. Right. right? These are right. two different uh, two parallel paths. 
So what I love about the mutual aid societies of Narcotics Anonymous and Alcoholics Anonymous and Naranon and Al-Anon for family members. C-A-D-A-G-A. Yeah. Go on. <laughs> is that they uh, they are self-policing. SSA. Problems. <laughs> they are self-policing problems that the way they get into the meeting room is because they self-identify as having that problem. Right. And these yes. things work very effectively. Mm -hmm. And so... Um, man, what a wonderful world it would be, cue that music, if we lived in such a way that we could discuss our own shortcomings with people who have the exact same shortcoming and are learning from it, right? That's good. And I have some concerns about only... Like, I think those rooms are great, and I think mutual aid societies are great, and I think that model is great. And I would say, if we're thinking, if we're talking about quote-unquote sin more broadly, we also need to be able to recognize that though we have different manifestations of it, it is the same thing. Right. And, and so I, you know, again, I would say, rather than saying we should only talk to people about uh, and I know this isn't this is not what you were saying, but if somebody were saying we should only really provide feedback to people who've had the same quote unquote sin patterns that we have, I would I would offer a gentle pushback and say that it's great to have <laughs> at least one voice in the conversation that has that commonality, but also we are all sharing in this inability to execute our certain way of seeing and the manifestations of that are different but it's a shared common experience oh no that's the first time a phone has gone off in one of our podcasts and whose phone might I it be i never thought it was going to be me gosh you've just never thought a couple of things today that you did well okay here's the thing yes 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 i agree with you but what i'm saying is how wonderfully effective it is proven to be because of the empathy and understanding that happens in a room in a mutual aid society. Now, yes, yes. now let me expand on that. In theory, spiritual transformation should make it possible for us to actually apply and empathize with all sorts of shortcomings as a result of being keenly aware of me and myself. And that's what you're talking about. And really, that's what North Star Community is founded on. Because what we've said is we're just gathering together and we're not labeling one another and we're not separating the grapes and fruits and nuts and to various categories. <laughs> we're saying, hey, we're all bozos on the same bus. Right. And at the heart of the matter, these issues are all coming out of a very same place. But the place isn't that you need to believe more. The place is... You need to be noticing where your belief is not inspiring you at all to do anything differently. Yeah, I think I'm realizing now that I didn't quite understand your first question uh, it, when you asked it this weekend. Because I think what you're saying is, now maybe you're maybe you're altering the question uh, today, but I, I think that's a really 
maybe I'll just back up and say this. I think it's really powerful to think about the ways in which we're not executing our certain ways of seeing. Right. And then asking the question, why and um, how are you going to own it? Right. That's it. Um, because, you know, asking, why isn't why doesn't somebody trust me more? That's just a flat out refusal to own your own stuff. Right. Right. And that's right. problematic. It is. You know, I think that executing your way of seeing begins with. Uh, it doesn't end with, but it, it at least begins with some level of self-awareness and self-policing and self uh yeah, being willing to call your own self out on your stuff and and putting stuff out there that other people would never know about, right? I mean, that's right. the that is the act of vulnerability. Is I know this about me, nobody else knows it. I can share it or not, right? And being vulnerable is saying I'm going to put this out there and let people see that I'm not all I'm supposed to be. I'm not all I expected to be, right? And um, well, now I'm ranting, and I got myself off on a. Well, we're just going to have a rants fest. The other thing, can I go back to your point where you say you need different people in the room? So, sure. so I really think that's also a very important point, although it wasn't necessarily central to my message, but um, it might be a really great follow-up message. So, um, so this is your bonus content for this podcast. Ding, ding, ding. Um. The reason we need different people in the room than people who share our unique shortcomings is because there is a certain blindness that comes with every shortcoming that if you put us all in the room, we're not going to likely see. Yeah. So I have a friend um, whose uh, name is Webb, and he and I ha share some certain uh, characteristics in common, and we love to have a conversation about that. And he makes me feel understood and um, not crazy. Okay. Um, but when we bring his wife into the conversation, who doesn't share our... She doesn't understand you and she makes you feel crazy? No, because <laughs> she's awesome. <laughs> But what she does is she, uh, and she's amazing in her empathy and communication and being able to be fully present. So what she does is she'll say something like, do you realize that what you two guys just said was blah, 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 blah. Um, and both of you are really happy that you are agreeing with each other, but you realize that not everybody sees that same way. But you're both wrong. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> She never makes us feel wrong, which is why she we love her. But um, yeah, I mean, she she can see things about us that we can't see, and she can see some implications for our certain way of executing how we see. We uh, another example of that is our men's group on Wednesday nights now is a very unique bunch, and we have. I hear so many good things coming out of that. <laughs> we have between four and eight guys. It's a small group. And there are people who are in recovery from substance use. There are people currently struggling with substance use. There are people who oscillate in their use. 
There are people who've never touched a substance. Um, there are parents of people who have a substance use, and there are people who have no connection to substance use whatsoever. You That's named a, about 12 different types of people, but you said four to eight come. <laughs> <laughs> Back to the uh, inconsistent I question, attendance I question thing. your counting. <laughs> um, it's a... You get decent perspective in there. Yeah, that's when you've what got I hear. A, when you've got an issue. And, um, you know, it's it's not for everybody. You've got Virginia Tech fans and UVA fans in the room. Yeah, it doesn't work. I know that part's a little disturbing. But other than that, everything else seems to work. And people bring up what's going on in their lives, and you can get feedback from any, any one of those types of people. Right. right? And then... Um, you know, when you're talking about recovery issues specifically, um, getting you're getting a what is it that was really popular in the business world for a while about three three hundred and sixty degree evaluations or something? You don't just get yeah, evaluated those were by your stupid ideas. You but go ahead. Well, yeah, I don't know if it is or not, but it probably depends on how you do it. But you get evaluated by your boss, your peers, and your employees, right? right like the people right. up, right, uh, lateral and below. And the idea is that you got feedback from everywhere. And I think that's how that group kind of functions. And I think that we're all the better for it. Well, and I think also the fact that there's nothing anonymous about it. You're sitting in there together. You're looking into the whites of each other's eyes. Right. Um, And it's such a it's such a respectful and loving group. But I think that's just sort of bonus material for this. It's just like. Uh, going back to the original Should point. Should I put it after the music? <laughs> no. Appendix one. No, but we do, you know, maybe some <laughs> outtakes. Uh, a series of you coughing and your phone going off for one. <laughs> but, um, I'm leaving know, that in. Yeah, just this idea that um, to go back and, and sort of wrap up, this idea that um, I would encourage us to begin asking questions a little bit differently. Uh, Instead of saying, what are my thoughts, what are my feelings, and what are my actions, um, how are they related to my inspired way of seeing, I would say... What is my thinking? What is my feeling? And what are my behavioral choices showing me about the truth of what I really understand? About uh, who God is and who I am as I bear his image. Right. And, and You're, take, take a little bit more. Um, to I think um, just to jump in for a second. Yeah. Because you started by saying that our beliefs didn't get us where we thought we were going to get in our execution. Right. And so the idea the idea is how this was going to work is our beliefs were going to change our thoughts, feelings, and behaviors. And what you're saying is that that may not necessarily happen. That's not how that problem is necessarily going to get fixed. Right. And our thoughts, feelings, and behaviors can shape our believing just as much as our believing can shape those things. And so these things are talking to each other. They're in concert with each other. They're having a dialogue, but neither. But it's not clear which side is winning 
And it's important to take stock of those thoughts, feelings, and behaviors because they may just be shaping our beliefs, but they also may be things that we need to learn how to hold accountable in order to execute those beliefs. Right. So I used uh, uh, three verses this um, this past message out of James. I used uh, James chapter 1, verses 13 through 16, and I didn't have them with me. So let me just sum them up by saying this that go look them up. If you don't have a Bible, you can Google it. James 1, 13 through 16. BibleGateway.com. Yeah. For it's got extra, a wonderful copy and paste feature. Uh, for extra credit, go all the way down to 19. And look at how uh, God responds to his creation. Um, and that this is how he responds to us, regardless of what we're thinking, feeling, or doing in terms of how he sees us. And um, we can be a little bit less defensive about what we see about ourselves. And we don't have to defend our perspective to make it congruent with our inspired way of seeing so we don't have to look at hard stuff. Just look at the hard stuff and say, hey, I had a lot of confidence in how I was gonna be as a husband and a father in your case. Yep. And uh, it's not working out as I thought in right. all situations. And don't make excuses for that. Just say, wow, what has this got to teach me? I have work to do. Yeah. And uh, having work to do is a far better thing than explaining what your beloved wife did to cause you to behave in such a weak manner, right? Yeah, or or saying that uh, she shouldn't be sensitive, that, that I had a perfectly legitimate reason for being upset, and she shouldn't be sensitive to me right. being upset at her. Right, and know? just presuming that... Um, this is a me problem. This is a me problem. And I think that a lot of the reasons people get all wrapped around the axle would be reduced if we could say every problem has an element of me and myself in it. Yeah. And that's far better. So that's it. That's what we talked about. Um, sorry you guys missed the... Uh, <laughs> that's it. That's, that's it. it. That's it. <laughs> what you can't see is Scott's over here telling me to wrap it up, and I'm wrapping it up, and now he's laughing at me. <laughs> I feel like this is unjust. <laughs> well, I wasn't... Okay. You were. It's a you. Well, no, no, no. I was, <laughs> I was, but it was for our schedules, not for, not because I thought you were going on too long. Anyway. Uh, uh, yeah. See, see, that is exactly what justification looks like. I'm sorry if I hurt your. I'm sorry if your feelings got hurt. My feelings didn't. <laughs> Isn't that the bad apology? Is that how it goes? Yeah. I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah. You're. I'm, I'm sorry. Sorry, your feelings didn't get hurt. Now get over it, because your bad feelings I'm, are I'm making so- me feel worse. <laughs> I'm sorry, you got sad or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're too sad. <laughs> so it's you're just bold. you're so sensitive. It's just. Yeah, I mean, stop being so sensitive. Yeah. God, that one's the worst. Jeez. I know. I know. Now we're gonna continue talking about this. Yeah. after the podcast but we're going to release you um <laughs> to go be miserable without being caused by us ranting and raving so i am sure that long before this the music was beginning to play and drown out our banter um and 
It is because Blue Dot Sessions provides us so much royalty-free music. Yes. And it can be found at sessions.blue. Yep. On another note, if you stumbled across this podcast, we are a part of www.northstarcommunity.com. And you can go and check us out on our website. <laughs> We're not part of the website, really. The website's more part of us. But anyway, close enough. I was trying to imitate Scott. You yeah, guys can she's, please write in and tell me how I did. She's mimicking me, in case you're wondering. I'm mocking him, mocking him. Mocking. Which is, which is definitely a spiritual discipline around yep. here. Um, all right. I, I enjoyed that very much. Thank you for listening. Thank you. We will see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.